Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, good evening. Welcome back to the Fallout Bar here from Online Darts with our friends at Foil Sports. Myself, Jack Colby-Garwood and Luke about to bring you a comprehensive review of all 32 well not all 32 games we're going to skip some from the players championship finals in Minehead. Luke we don't normally do a fallout bar for the weekend tournaments but you know it's been going so well of late everybody's here sat watching anyway there's only 10 likes on the stream so far but I'm sure they'll get better at that as the show goes on um but yeah how you doing buddy? Yeah, I'm not bad. I'm not bad. Enjoyed tonight. It's a fast-paced action. I mean, we've had a busy day today, 32 matches, as you say, so it is. It's a lot to get through, but yeah, enjoyable. I love these weekend tournaments. You know, we're building up towards the Worlds now, so it was it was good to watch and starting to see who's coming into form. Yeah, absolutely hectic weekend for us. 32 matches today. Uh, we've got the second round all day tomorrow. Um, then on Monday, we're going to be covering the World Championship qualifier, the World Championship draw, and the live lounge what a weekend we have in store for you guys four days on the trot where you're going to see at least one of our faces somewhere on your screens that's if you decide to sit and watch us anyway if you listen to this as a podcast hello welcome to you guys as well thank you very much for joining us hello to everybody in the chat room maliki Juanita, terence Celador's in asking if we can discuss Adrian Lewis's <laughs> comments. It's almost like you've read my script. It's, it's the only clip we have ready for you guys. It was part of me that just wanted to keep this uh, a Fallon free zone for the night because she's not involved in the player championships. But no doubt we will talk about those comments later on. Um, 32 matches took place in Minehead today over two different stages. Um, 26 of those, Luke, were won by the player with the highest seed. That is quite a significant margin. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's something you would have expected in these tournaments, but it never goes that way. And at the World Championships, we we usually get at least 10 seeds, if not more, fall in the first round. So it's quite surprising that there is such a high percentage. But 
you know, it just shows the quality. I mean, when you look at the lineups for round two, there's some really, really good matches now. So really exciting, especially in sectors two and three. You've got some quality matches tomorrow afternoon. But yeah, it is quite surprising that so many players got through the the higher ranks. But yeah. It is indeed. Like I said, we're not going to run through all 32 matches this evening. Uh, We are going to go through in night order. I don't know if we stumble across something um, that was worth talking about of note. Then we're going to talk about it. So starting with game one on board two, Scott Mitchell beating Martin Clearmacher 6-5. On the main stage, we had Ryan Searle beating Simon Whitlock 6-5. Also, um, Ryan Joyce got a 6-4 win over Luke Woodhouse. Ritaiski, comprehensive job on Ron Mullenkamp 6-1. We saw Martin Schindler beat Ian White. Luke, it's not been the most productive year for Ian White, shall we say. We know he had the surgery earlier on, but that's another early exit in a televised ranking event it's not been the greatest years for Ian White so far has it yeah he's really struggling for form and when the world championship is so heavily weighted you really don't want to be coming into it with no form at all and, and to be honest he's looking pretty ropey so anyone that does draw him in the first uh, in the second round will probably be rubbing their hands together at the minute again Schindler you know a lot of people attempted to do good things this year I don't think he's quite lived up to the hype he should have done but again it's another it's another early early win hopefully he can build on that tomorrow but Ian White continues his struggles. Yeah, Shidna looked pretty sharp going into the Grand Slam. There's plenty of people tipping him for big things, and that obviously fell in a group with Gerwin Price. Perhaps should have beaten the Iceman, but didn't get out of the group stage. Um, Michael Smith, 6-3 win over Willie Borland. A nice test for uh, Bully Boy to open up. But then... We had our first real upset, shall we say. And even then, it's not the beast of upsets in the world. But Darius Lavanowski has beaten Mervyn King 6-4 over on board to Luke. Uh, Mervyn King, the runner-up here last year, um, has been in pretty good form throughout this year. Hit his record TV average just recently. I believe that was at the Grand Slam. Um, but he falls in the first round to the Lithuanian. Yeah, Mervyn's had a really good year. I know we often focus with recency bias on events that have just happened, but when you think all the way back to the Masters, making the final, he had a really good year. He had a chance to make the Premier League, so he has had a fantastic year and continues good form. I'm not sure. I mean, they made out that it was quite a big shock on ITV. We know Darius Slavonowskis is a very efficient operator and he plays really well on the floor. To be honest, he doesn't get phased by the stage and he just played his casual game. And a 99 average, Mervyn King didn't play bad himself, but it was just one of them nip and tuck games that he that he came out the wrong side of. But again, Mervyn King can go and rebuild. I still think he's coming into the world with some really good form and I would be excited to see what he can do. Maybe even the last 16 quarterfinals, potentially. Imagine how different this year could have been if Mervyn King had beaten Johnny Clayton in the Masters <laughs> final way back in January, was it? Holy smokes, a long time ago. Completely forgot about that as well, to be honest. I'm glad you brought that one up. Um, one shock was swiftly followed, Luke, perhaps by another one. Joe Cullen losing that in the last head decided to Andy Bolton. Bolton is a player who 100% has these sort of games in his locker, but perhaps we don't see it quite consistently enough from the X Factor film to take a real run at the top 32 because when he when he turns up when he delivers his game he's clearly got a game to be in that top 32. 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think you could make a case for probably 100 of the 128 players to be able to play at that sort of level, but it's the consistency that sets these players apart. He's definitely got the game. 100 average was really good, and to be honest, it was more than the 100 average because he was really quite dominant throughout the match. I think he goes into the World Championship qualifier as, as quite a big name, to be honest. I think he's got a good good chance, but getting through against Joe Cullen, I think his next match is winnable as well against Vincent van der Voort. I think if he fancy his chances at a little run at the last 16, so maybe we'll see how he goes in the rest of the tournament, but it's a big scalp to claim Joe Cullen, another one who's been playing well all year. Yeah, one of three big fish checkouts on the day as well, Joe Cullen, but he couldn't back it up with a Shanghai, um, and he falls at the wayside. Brandon says a few lucky players tonight got away of it. That starts, mate. This is what happens on the Pro Tour all the time. You get these best of 11s. We get 32 of them. We're going to see the odd swing of, of, of momentum. There is one game that I'm still sick to the stomach <laughs> because of I'm, I'm not even sure i want to talk about it because i genuinely might cry um but we'll get to that shortly um on to the next one not not too much to talk about in this game but perhaps a nod to the year that he's had Chaz barstow appearing at the players championships final despite not having a tour card um 6-2 loss to brendan dolan though just just clinical from the history maker yeah, he's had a fantastic year on the floor, Brendan Dolan. I think he's really stepped up his game this year. I think he's starting to become one of the players that you could really fancy for a, a potential top 16 spot coming into the next sort of one or two years. If he can keep moving up the rankings, he's playing really well. So Chaz has had a fantastic year to make it as a, an associate member and get all the way to the Players' Championship finals. And he's qualified for the World Championship, hasn't he, as well? So really good performance from him to make it as far as this. But unfortunately, when you come in ranked 56th, you, you end up drawing one of the better players. And he, he just came up against a really good Brendan Dolan today. There was not much more you can say about that. But another one who's had a fantastic year. And I think he's a big he's a big favourite for Q-School. Brendan Dolan has had a very, very solid year on the Pro Tour as well. Um Dimitri Vandenberg, a 6-3 winner over Madders Rasma. A good return to TV action for Dimitri. Another one that hit the 170, but after missing out on the Grand Slam through illness, um, a good performance for Dimitri up on the stage. Yeah, much-needed confidence builder. If, you, if you're going to miss a tournament, you know last year when we had a few players miss with COVID, there was, there was tournaments after that. I mean, Glenn is the, the most nearly one that comes to mind that once you come off the back of missing a couple of tournaments, you've just got no confidence going forward. At least he's come he's come straight back onto the TV, bounced straight back into it. We know he's good in front of the cameras. He, he keeps playing well on TV and, and it was a good dismissive performance. I think he's, he's, he's quite established himself as a bit of a favourite for this tournament, but we'll see how he goes. Indeed. Next up, back-to-back -back losses for the RJR brothers. Ross Smith taking care of Rusty Jake over on board 2-6-2. And then by the same scoreline, Danny Noppert beating Roby John. Again, though, Luke, fantastic achievement for these two to be involved, considering they were ones that fell foul of perhaps a short-sightedness of the Q School order of merit earlier in the year. Um, I'm not sure. I think it was an unfortunate side effect of capping the second phase in that players were missing out on countback that perhaps shouldn't have missed out because they technically won more games etc yeah i mean these two have been to be honest probably the two of the most exciting players that i've watched all year on the, on the floor really really enjoy it they've got a, a really high paced tempo game it's brilliant to watch both of them i think they did themselves justice in the grand slam I think they're going to continue progressing. You know, they're both still young. I was quite shocked to see them both go out, to be honest. I think both of them should have really fancied their chances. Ross Smith and Danny Noppert have played really well to this Smith, both of them. 
but I think from here, you know, going into the World Championship, they're still going to be still going to be backing themselves. It's a, it's an exciting moment for these two, and let's see whether they can get themselves a tour card by winning some games at the World Championship. But it's just a shame that these two didn't get one. Yeah, two tough draws. And Russ Fifth and have been very very consistent performers throughout the year. Um, a couple more games left in the afternoon session. We're actually racing through these. I wasn't expecting us to motor through quite as quickly, but I guess we can spend some time potentially looking at a clip. Uh, getting involved with the guys in the chat room and going over this evening's action as well. Um, and I'm definitely going to give Charlie the boot in a minute. You see him from the right page tonight, aren't you, Charlie, instead of your other one, mate? Yeah, we all saw that the other night. Don't think we didn't. I disappeared very, very quickly on Monday, pal. Um, <laughs> and, uh, look, we're 100% going to chuck up our suggestions for best game of the night or best game of the day throughout this order of, of games. A contender for the worst game of the day, James Wade against Ricky Evans. It just wasn't great, was it? 6-1 victory for Wadey, but these two have played a lot, lot better. 82 average plays, 77 average, um, 31% of the doubles plays, 5.6. Ricky Evans had an absolute nightmare on the outer ring. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty tough to watch. Ricky Evans is another one that blows really hot and cold. Sometimes when he turns up and, and plays his game, it, it's mesmerising. And the, the finishes, when he, when he hits them, I remember back to a game when he was playing Simon Whitlock at the World Championship and he was just pinging absolutely everything. And when he when he plays like that and the, and the rhythmic action he's got, it, it's brilliant to watch. But when he plays, averaging 77, he just couldn't hit anything. James Wade will continue and motor on as he does always. But to be honest, it was a poor performance from Wade as well. It, it just... Just was not a very good quality game. Was not indeed one that was though surprisingly one that I, I, I didn't manage to keep as much of an eye on this one as I would have liked. Um, the averages don't suggest it, but everything else would tell you that Gabriel Clemens versus Steve Beaton was an absolute bit of a classic, despite neither player averaging over eight, averaging over ninety. Um, they duked it out on board too, went all the way. Clemens getting over the line in a decider. Yeah, and you know what we've. We've backed him for quite a few tournaments now and keep getting told by Phil that Clemens can't do it on the TV. But you know what? He's, he's starting to he's starting to come into his own a little bit. He's starting to win matches. I think I think he's a danger. I think he did well at the World Championship last year. He's starting to do well in, in major TV tournaments. I think he can keep progressing. Obviously, Steve Beaton's coming towards the end of his career. But it was nice to see him give it a little bit of a fight. He's still hungry for it, and that's what we wanted to see. We want to see him keep giving it a go because everyone likes Steve Beaton. And it was nice to see him qualify as well. Well, he was one that... A lot of the talk at the start of the year was how on earth does Steve Beaton manage to keep his tour card? Yet he keeps producing consistent results. He's in absolutely no danger of losing it again this year. He's a player that would quite easily be able to slip off the tour, go and make a living doing exhibition work. The World Seniors is a, is a massive <laughs> thing now. A couple of events, not that I'm pushing that angle or anything. Now that, you know, it's <laughs> really enjoying covering that one. But he is one that just keeps turning up, throwing his darts, and he just keeps getting results early enough throughout the year. He looked like he was in no form at all to start with, but he's come in, done all right. Obviously, not the best result here, but he is one that just still competes, and he's still capable of that upset in the early couple of rounds as well. He's one that you want to avoid. Yeah, I mean, look, if you earn enough money to qualify for the World Championship through the Porto Order of Merit, you're obviously doing something right, and he keeps doing it every year, so you can't really fault him. I know when he fell outside the world's top 32, people started to worry whether he would still get into the World Championship, but he's, he's proven us that he's still well capable of being on the tour 
despite his age, he's just that throw will never get. <laughs> I'll never get old of it, and I don't think he'll ever get tired. So, yeah, there shouldn't be any issues really with it. You know, sort of. I'm not expecting any sort of aches and pains with with age or anything like that. It's just so fluid. So I I don't see any reason why he can't do the same as what sort of Paul Lim's doing. Bronze environment keeps himself in good shape as well, which clearly helps. Uh, Nathan Aspinall six two victory over Jeff Smith. Luke, um, good performance from the Asp after missing out on the Grand Slam. He was one of the high profile players that didn't make it through the qualifier despite um, being well placed in the world rankings. Um, but we're going to talk about, I believe, the final game on in the afternoon session. Um, Two players that have been in really, really good form on the floor as late. Um, and you could have been forgiven for thinking this one was going to go the other way because Kim Hybrex has been superb recently. Um, but one of us here was brave enough to say Adrian Lewis is going to win this quarter of the draw. And after seeing that performance, I got laughed off the show on Monday night, Luke. I feel a lot better about it now after a 6-3 victory over Kim Hybrex. That, my friend was the old Adrian Lewis. I was going to say, look, you know, you've made some outlandish predictions in the past, but maybe this one, maybe this one comes true because to be honest, he played really well and he did, he did, it looked like he was rolling back the years. You know, he was really fluid. It was brilliant to watch. It was a really, really good game. I mean, Jordan Washington came Hybrex as well. I've been really impressed by the amount of tournaments he's managed to qualify for. Qualify for the Grand Slam really isn't easy and the fact Adrian Lewis didn't manage it shows that it's a difficult tournament to get into. So he did really well to get in there. By Mike Dedeker en route, one after the other. <laughs> So it's one of them. It's you just you just think like, if if Adrian can keep progressing his game, can he make the semi-finals? I don't see why not. I don't think Peter Wright was emphatic tonight. To be honest, I think he's there for the taking. If he doesn't turn up, and I think Adrian Lewis, if he plays like that again, then there's every there's every reason that he could make a semi-final or potentially a final, and a final could be huge for qualifying for tournaments next year. Get himself in the Grand Slam. Who knows? Maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves, but he's playing really well. Charlie is really not liking this result tonight, isn't he? Impressive. Um, Rose says, unlucky, Kim. Yeah, look, both players averaged 97, but it was those moments of, of magic from Adrian Lewis. Um, the 119 and the 127, I think it was, a spring to mind was all great. Reaction from Adrian Lewis, it's something that he's kept quite contained within himself, I think, over the last 18 months. We haven't seen an awful lot of emotion from Adrian, or we have at the wrong times because he's been up against it for so long. He had the injury. He started falling down the rankings. We see it with Rob Cross. We see it with Michael Van Gerwen. When the confidence isn't there, the players just feel almost a little bit dark, giving it the big reaction up on stage. But he's clearly happy with his game at the minute. Um, he's been playing really well on the Pro Tours, and he's translated that onto the big stage. Yeah, I mean, look, people are criticised Price all the time for giving it the big end. But to be honest... When it when it when he really does do it and he really is passionate about it, you can really see it improves his performance. So I don't see any reason for Adrian Lewis to withhold emotion. If he needs to release that emotion when he's hit a big shot and it keeps him motivated, then by all means do it. And I think to be honest, I think it develops him as a player. I think sometimes he's holding too much back in matches and you, you can't get yourself fired up. If he, he's one of these players that runs on the adrenaline of, the, of being on the big stage and being on the TV, he can turn up. I mean, he said in his interview, you know, ninety percent of these players on the floor can't do it on the stage, and he is one of them that can. So he proved once again that he's got the ball in the big moments and it, it, it's just letting out that emotion so why not I have to say go for it he is and he's done a lot of speaking recently as, as A.D. Lewis up in the build up to this in his post-match interview as well etc it's difficult to forget or it's quite easy to forget sorry 
that he is only 36 because he won so much so young did Eddie Lewis that he had the entire world at his hands. Obviously, that hasn't materialised for the last couple of years. But to only be 36, most players reach their prime in around 36 or beyond that. If he plays to the same amount of time that Peter Wright has, that Phil Taylor did, Simon Whitlock's nearly 50, Mervyn King's well over 50, he could still have another 20 years at the top of this game. Yeah, and the one thing that I do like about Adrian Lewis is whenever you hear him in interviews, there's always the motivation there. I've never seen him look look disheartened or disinterested in darts. He's always still wanting to improve his game. Yes, the last few years haven't gone to plan, but I think one good run in a tournament on the TV, potentially a major win, could reignite his career and, and take him back up towards the top echelons of the sport. I think, I think we've got exciting things to come for Adrian Lewis in the next couple of years. Back in the Premier League? Potentially, I wouldn't mind that. If he if he keeps throwing it how he does, I would not mind that. I've said the P word now, haven't I? So we're going <laughs> to have to hear from Andy Lewis as well as he talks about the Premier League, rather interestingly, but not about himself. You can see where this is going to go, folks. I know I've got a lot more given than that. That was just a, a starter kind of thing. And that's what, what, that's what you're missing to me. I, I think the characters aren't the same as what they were. I think there isn't enough characters in the game at the minute to push the game forward. The, the, the only good thing I can say is Fallon Sherrick coming through. I think she's been a breath of fresh air to anybody, and I thought she was awesome. On Fallon, as you put her, mm. would you put her in the Premier League? I think before the Peter Wright game, I'd have questioned it because it was a short format game she's always played in. After the duration, what she performed in that tournament, an average 100, after was it 30, 30 legs? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it might do. Uh, I just hope she can get a talk hard. But also, like I said, I said to you, Leon's off camera. Lisa's been a bit overlooked, in my opinion. I think she's the one who's got the talk hard. So I reckon we open up, put, put 16 players in the Premier League, and, and make two women. That's what I see. 16 in the Premier League, two women. I can't help but think that 16 number loop was perhaps to maybe sneak himself in as well, although he won't admit it. Um, plenty of response in the chat room right here. You can, you can't even see it on camera, but you can almost hear Phil's eyes light up. <laughs> the minute that Ad Lewis brings that lever, that line of questioning on himself, um, another player advocating the inclusion of Fallon Sherrick in the Premier League. We spent a lot of time on that last week. I think most people in the chat room have already given us their opinions on it. So we are going to move on, but that is just another example of another player, Peter Wright, being one of those that said it should happen. To balance the fact that Devon Peterson perhaps didn't agree on Monday night, um, and we've seen Gerwin Price perhaps say he wouldn't include Fallon as well. Reminder that lineup will most likely be complete. We're not 100% sure. Normal uh, service from the PDC would be for that to be announced just after the World Final. Um but obviously last year they did leave that extra spot open heading into the Masters and after Q School, interestingly enough, I wonder if that'll be the same case this year, Luke. Um, into the evening session and again, an absolute double helping of all that is mighty in darts. We've seen some big names struggle this evening, but still get through, which is the important thing. Um, had a couple of comments from players come back via the Phil and Jar that are in my head saying it's absolutely freezing. They were struggling with the temperature, especially in room two. Um, Callum Rids is one of those that said his darts were just laying flat, not because of his hand, but because of the air. It just wasn't going through 
the air properly for him, um, but he is one that progressed. Um, we are going to start, though, um, with Vincent van der Voort, Yella Klassen. Um, wouldn't normally touch on this one, but Yella was a late inclusion to this one. Um, missed out on the World Championships through the qualifier that he attended. Um, needed a big run here to save his tour car, but we'll be heading back to Q-School after Vincent van der Voort beats him 6-4, Luke. I can't help think that that was a massive missed opportunity, especially the fact that Andy Bolton beat Joe Cullen because really he could have had a run in the last 16. It wouldn't have necessarily got him enough money to, to keep the tour card. I still think you'd have to make the World Championships, to be honest, because a few players that are just on the cusp will probably win one round and, and it would have pushed him out, but it would have definitely helped his cause. I think right now we, he is very much reliant on that World Championship qualifier on Monday. If not, then unfortunately, Yellow will lose his tour card. I think he's good enough to come back through Q school. You know, he's still got talent, but I have to agree with what the some of the stats I've seen. He's one of the worst double hitters currently in the PDC. He's absolutely shocking on the outer ring, and I think that's going to be it's the crux of the issue at the minute. He can still score, but until he gets that sorted, the actions becoming even more just staccato and, and really quite ugly to watch. So, if you can get the, if you can get the action sorted, then he's still got a game that, that can take him to the highest level. But it, it's it's looking bad for him this year. Yeah, he sort of turned his form around towards the back end of the year. He was in absolutely no form at all. He started to pick up a few more wins on the Pro Tour of late, but his just form just not enough to basically recover from how bad a position he was in. So he will be one that will be potentially heading to Q School in January. Um, first game up on the stage, Luke, and um, this is definitely up there for contender for game of the night. Just because of the drama, Gary Anderson recovering from absolutely miles behind against Stephen Bunting, finishes with an 88 average, but gets over the line 6'5". Um, still some fight in the Flying Scotsman right now, who, let's not forget, is only about an hour away from home. Could have been in bed, tucked up, watching us three hours ago. You know what? People were, people have been writing them off, and I think he showed a little bit of character against Roman van Barneveld when, in the last group game of the Grand Slam when he came through. It was quite difficult, managed to scrape through. Showing a little bit of character against Stephen Bunton. I mean, a few people were writing him off. You know, Stephen Bunton's coming in with, to be honest, more form than Gary Anderson. I, I was expecting him to win the match. So when he went 4 0 up, I, I sort of dismissed Anderson's chances. But he's starting to find a way to win ugly again, which is obviously quite dangerous because when Anderson can win ugly, if he turns up with his A game, he's obviously a danger for any title. So it's a big win, and he's managed get himself through. Stephen Bunton is really, really quality operator at the minute. But yeah, Gary Anderson, he's fighting back, isn't he? Maybe he's not done yet. Maybe. I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> Gary Anderson, look, there was plenty of talk today about how much darts needs a full-flowing Adrian Lewis. I think we need a full-flowing Gary Anderson too. If those two are on it, you could just... Look, there's a lot of talk about MVG and Van Gogh and uh, MVG and Gary Anderson going at each other in full flight. Can you imagine a fully fit Adrian Lewis? I don't... We've seen it in the world final. I don't think we've seen it often enough, those two going at each other. I think that would be unbelievable to watch. We could Certainly potentially get that if Gary Anderson gets through against Ryan Meikle and, and MVG manages to beat Barneveld and Lewis comes through against Wright, potentially a quarter-final match between Gary Anderson and Adrian Lewis. Wouldn't well, that be exciting? He plays MVG and then potentially Adrian Lewis. That would be good. Wait, no, that doesn't happen though, don't forget, because I back Raymond Van Barneveld to beat Michael Van Gogh in the next round. I called that one on Monday as well, because my God, after Adrian Lewis looked fantastic up on stage, Raymond Van Barneveld went one better, 103.99 average, we'll call it 104. Barney, a 6-1 victory over Mike Harvenhoven. What could have potentially been a little bit of a banana skin, if that was on the Pro Tour, then 
I expect that to be much, much closer, possibly even favour Kyvenhoven. But Barney looked fantastic tonight in front of the crowd. He's rolling back the years, isn't he? It's really exciting. And I know, I know people have had a little bit of hesitation about his comeback, but this is it. He's a, he's a top 16 player on his day. That was top 16 form. That was imperative. He was really impressive. And I think, to be honest, he really will give MVG a run for his money. Over a short format, I think he's got an even better chance of beating him. So it's going to be nip and tuck. If MVG doesn't turn up and play his game, then I think there's every chance that Ramon Bonneville could potentially make it through and set up a tie with possibly Gary Anderson. But really impressive form tonight. Mike Kivenhoven was nowhere near him. It just bossed the match from start to finish. He did indeed. Two of the classics rolling back the years, shall we say. Uh, moving on, a couple of 6-2 wins for Damon Hetter over Steve Lennon. Really good performance from Hetter. Again, out on board too. Um, struggled with the cold a little bit, I believe, in that one. Rob Cross, 60 win over Jermaine Watamena up on stage. Couple of missed starts at double for Jermaine, but chances taken for Rob Cross when needed. Um, <laughs> I said we were going to try and keep this a Fallon free zone, Luke, but it's difficult to not talk about her when we talk about the next game because she seems to have broken Mensor Sulovic once again um, after beating him at the World Championships the other year. Um, he struggled for form a bit. We've now seen him the game after that. He's lost to Fallon once again. And Callan Rids has dispatched a man who only averaged 77. I think the World Championships, there probably was some some cause and effect there. I think he probably did take a bit of a knock from that. But I don't know whether this mental leave has been inconsistent. You know, I don't know how much we can put this down to Fallon this time round. It just sometimes, you know, you can have an off day and average below 90, but having an off day and averaging 77 for one of the best players in the world is really, really poor, right? He's, he's so inconsistent at the minute, but I don't I don't know. I honestly don't know what the answer is. He just struggles sometimes, and it's, it's painful to watch when you when you start to average 77. And it seems to be creeping into the professional game a little bit more often that we're seeing players average sub-80. I mean, it was happening maybe nine, ten years ago, but last couple of years... Starting to see more and more players at the top end of the game having off games that are just so poor. The off game is massive. The absence of a solid B game right now is costing a lot yeah. of players. I think their, their A game is fantastic, but we're not quite seeing that consistent level. And perhaps that's because of the year we've had with COVID and effect, affecting that. We've, we've seen the right amount of players' championships, but they've been in patches rather than consistent weekends. No Euro tour, really. Um, maybe that will change next year. Um, Callan's win, though, sets up a really interesting section two of the draw. The only man that is not from England in that draw, part of the draw remaining right now, is the only man to have ever, is the only man to have beaten Michael Van Gerwen at this event in the last six years. The only man to have got a match dart against the Green Machine, and he took it. Daryl Gurney is hoping to be the spoiler in the section. It includes Michael Smith, Callum Ridge, James Wade, Ryan Searle, Ryan Joyce, Rob Cross, and Nathan. Aspinall, you can make a couple of World Cup teams in there, couldn't you, Luke? That would be interesting if we ever see more than just England one. Well, that is absolutely littered with quality. Like that, that section of the draw is really good. For a second round, you expect a couple of other uh, lesser names to get through, but we got through all. Um, all eight of the top-ranked players in that section, so it's it's going to be an exciting one. I'm really really looking forward to uh, section two tomorrow. But yeah, I mean, if they ever extend the World Cup, I don't really want them to put B teams in there. But I guess that's a discussion for another time. But 
yeah, there's a few players there that, that could be knocking on the door. Ryan Searle especially could definitely make an England team in, in years to come. We'll have to see how he progresses, but there'll be a few that want to make a case for themselves. And, and why not? They've got every chance to prove it against the other guys that are in the team. Yeah, I think we've discussed commercial viability more than enough in the recent weeks. <laughs> Let's not open that debate right now. Um, Jose de Salza, 6-4 victory over Devon Peterson. Um, slow start for Devon. Obviously, a guest on the show earlier on Monday. He said it was just going to be about him getting up on stage, getting used to the action. Didn't look like he was doing that to start with. Fought his way back into the game, but Jose shutting the door towards the back end of that one. Um Next, another game well in contention for Game of the Night. In fact, I think this is my Game of the Night. Um, Ryan Meikle, 6. Dirk van Dijvenboda, 5. 108.76 average plays, 105. Van Dijvenboda, 5-3 down, rallies to 5 apiece. And then a 12-dart leg against the throw from Ryan Meikle wins the match. It was just a superb game, Luke. If, if, if you're in mine head and didn't go to stage 2 to watch this one... I feel sorry for you because it was unbelievable. Yeah, I'll be honest, I wasn't watching it. So all I can say is I, I've seen the stats and to be fair to Ryan Meeker, what a performance. I didn't even off 109 average and Dirk Van Dijvenboer is another one who I don't think he's had the year that he should, really should have this year after after last year. But to take a scalp like that with 109 average is really impressive and surely he's, he's got a bit of a chance tomorrow. Yeah, doing it in the, in the way that he did it as well. Like I said, 5-3 up, pin back to 5 apiece. Uh, and then a last leg victory with a 12 dart leg for Miku. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games left to talk about before we look ahead to tomorrow. Perhaps we won't talk about all of them. We might gloss over Luke Humphreys against Jason Heaver. Cool hand getting over the line despite being up against it early on. 4 1 down, reels off at 3 1 down, reels off five of the next six to win that one. Um, Gerwin Price not at his fluent best, got an interesting reception as he made his way to the stage, despite this venue being one of the closest to Wales. You normally get a fair few travelling across that one. A very, very mixed reception indeed, and a mixed performance from Jason Lowe. Um, we've seen him arguably should have beaten Michael Van Gerwen at this event before. There's been times where after 10 legs, he's, he's missed darts in every single leg, could have easily beaten the Green Machine. 10-0, missed doubles, the order of the day once again for Jason Lowe, just let go in Price back into the game, had chances for a 4-1 lead, I think it was, um, but ultimately Price, five points lower in the averages, just gets away with one early doors, Luke, and we saw him start slowly at the Grand Slam and come away with a title, is he back to do the same again here? Well, you know, this is funny because you, you look at all the top players at the minute and there's not really one that I can pick out that's actually on form. A lot of them are starting these tournaments so slowly and, and just poor form. I mean, D'Souza was another one who was just awful. Uh, they're, just, they're just not picking it up as they should do. And I'm not I'm not seeing the 100 averages I was expecting. He was poor. And to be honest, he should be out, really. But I couldn't believe the crowd were obviously giving Gerwin Price quite a frosty reaction. And yet when Jason Lowe was thrown for the doubles, he's getting booed a bit. So I don't really know what side the crowd was. Was actually on tonight. Maybe they just wanted a good game in the end of it, and and they did get it because Gerwin Price did come back. But Jason Lowe's missed chances there. He, he had a good chance to potentially knock out one of the biggest names in darts, and he hasn't taken it. So it, it's one of them that he'll probably rue in in future years. But Gerwin Price is again. He's he, he's this guy that can just dig in now. He, he does not get phased at all. If you don't take him out early on, 
he will keep marching on. Now, obviously, there's one more game tomorrow where it's first to six. After that, he's in the first to ten leg format. And I think from there on, he just runs through and potentially makes another final. But it, it was a chance tonight for him to get knocked out and he's managed to, to survive another one. Yeah, now seems like a good time to talk about the crowd, considering we mentioned it just then. It affected Alan Tavern towards the back end of the final game of the evening as well. Don't want people accusing us, saying if this was a German crowd, we'd be laying into them. There were moments tonight where they were very poor, where the whistling, Dan from the team is there. Barney is producing a comeback performance delights that we just didn't expect from him. And the crowd are more interested in knocking beach balls about. And I know it's been a while since people have been allowed at Minehead. It is a fantastic venue. It's a great party atmosphere. People, You just get the same people in and out of the venue all day. Obviously, the people there stay on site all weekend, so don't have to worry about getting home and all that. So perhaps they do get a little more alleviated than they would do in, in most other venues. But it wasn't the best Minehead crowd we've ever seen tonight, was it? No, it wasn't. And it, I guess it comes with the with the sport, you know. We're not talking about a sort of a cricket or a rugby. This is darts and darts has a party atmosphere. So, yeah, not everyone is going in for the darts. They're going in to, to enjoy themselves. And that's sort of part of the parcel with the darts crowds. Yeah, to be honest, I'd like to move towards more where we've got fans that are really interested. And and I'm, I don't doubt that they're knowledgeable fans, but sometimes just getting out of control and, and the whistling, the booing. If they're messing about behind the stage, fair enough. But whistling and booing and trying to put players off when they're taking really important shots is really frustrating because nobody should be influenced. And these guys, this is their livelihoods and you're potentially costing them thousands of pounds if you suddenly put them off for really no benefit of your own. So it was a shame, I think, to be honest, Alan Tabin was he was a little bit snatchy on, on some of the shots anyway. Dan did allude to the fact that he was he was going under double 20 all the time, but just snatching all the time. The the, the action, again, is another one that, that wasn't too comfortable. But I, I don't doubt that it probably did have an effect and he definitely would have heard it because it was quite loud and you can hear it through the telly. So it, it's it's frustrating to see, but it seems to be happening more and more. It does indeed. And I think I genuinely think we've missed the boat with it. Like I've been quite passionate about the way that crowds have been handled for the last few years. And the problem is that the odd moment from the crowd doing the odd bad thing gets attention. <laughs> I genuinely believe the PDC are at the point where all all press no matter how bad it is, is it just gets attention on the game and on the sport and I think they've missed the opportunity to stamp it out and if you get to the point where you try and stamp down on it but like well I used to be able to do it and that sort of thing gone are the days where you're going to see the likes of George Noble and Kirk Bevins asking the crowd for best of order you won't get George Noble walking up to a fan on the Eurotour saying oi once more I'll boot you out like that was that's a brilliant moment but that just will not happen anymore because they're just not bothered about it anymore like that gives them something to talk about They've let it go on way too far, as Selador says. We're just not going to see a change or reaction from that. And darts is tickets are sold as the party atmosphere is the place to go. And as long as you've allowed it to get that far, I'll be honest, as a spectator sport in the venue, it's far easier for me to watch a game of darts on the TV. I can't see the dartboard from the back of the room in my head. It's a great atmosphere to be in there, sing some songs, but I end up watching it on the screen anyway. Why am I paying for the pleasure to watch somebody else's TV? I want to see. It's 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 a tough one, and I think the other thing is, you know, remember back to sort of Lakeside when Martin Fitzmaurice is walking across the hockey and Hanky's getting booed to bits, and he's he's shouting, saying, you know, this is Lakeside. 
the, the amount of fans in these venues now is tenfold compared to what we used to have in the Circus Tavern and Lakeside. It's a massive crowd audience and they could make even more noise than ever before. You know, what's the referee saying best of all the plays really going to do now? It has, I think, I completely agree with you. I think it's gone too far. It's unfortunately going to be a niche of the game and this is why you've got to keep the crowd on side. So you don't want to be antagonising them, doing something that you shouldn't do because you know it could come back to bite you in the future. May do indeed. We're going to have to move on to a game that I really, really don't want to talk about because it still hurts. Um, I was 11 from 11 on an accumulator at this point. He cashed out £207. Chris Dobie hits 10 180s, averages eight points higher than Willie O'Connor, misses a match start. O'Connor misses the big number and still checks out 64 for the match. Look, it was a superb contest back and forth. O'Connor's finishing stats are absolutely ridiculous. 75%, 6 out of 8, kept him in the match. was was unbelievable, but just stings a little bit, this one. <laughs> it probably stings Chris Dobie a lot more, to be honest, but it just stings, this result, Luke. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you're going to go to bed wondering how Chris Dobie managed to lose that match, but I'm sure Chris Dobie's going to go to bed wondering how the hell he lost that match because he was in a really good position. And to be honest, he missed a match start and potentially it, it was only one. If, it, if he'd obviously managed to hit from 64, if he'd managed to hit the trouble 16, he, he could have potentially had two match starts. But just to, the 10 one, the scoring was emphatic and he was playing really well. But Willie O'Connor just managed to hang in there kept himself quiet and then just pinched it at the last moment. And it is frustrating. I'm sure Chris Dobie is absolutely gutted. I don't think he did it intentionally, but it's just one of them. It's a really, really tough game. <laughs> earlier, and he lost in a semi-final and then people backed him two days later and he got all the way to the final. So I don't know. Maybe maybe this is revenge for saying, Chris Dobie, your walk-on sucks. Well, we wouldn't have got to hear it anyway because of joint walk-ons, which is terrible really but yeah it's it's it is it's frustrating I'm, i can't believe it of all matches 10 180s and, and to come out a loser he'll be absolutely gutted but it, it's it's one of them that he'll look back on he'd rather hate it happened now than happen at the world championship so i guess that's every cloud you'll have to take that and move on yeah yeah could have paid for me to go to the world championship <laughs> let's move on before i genuinely shed a tear uh, Michael Van Gerwen, comfortable 6-3 winner over Kevin Dowitt. Uh, 100% on the doubles for a large part of the match. Um, allowed Kevin back in the game a little bit, but professional job done by the Green Machine 97 average for him. Dave Chisnell, Luke, is out 6-4 in another contender for one of the scrappier games of the day. Um, 84 average plays, 87. Ed House, though, solid on his throw. Chisnell spent a lot of the game chasing, trying to force a break of throw, but it's Ed House who gets the vital break. Well, he didn't even need a break. He had the advantage of throw, but he does break. They have Chisnell to wrap up the match 6-4. Yeah, I was really surprised at that one. Chisnell's another one that we didn't see him at the Grand Stand, did we? And he's and he, he sort of, he's here and there. Some TV tournaments he turns up, sometimes he doesn't. And and it was just one of them that Richie Edhouse took his chance. It, the Players' Championship does throw up some shocks, and, and this was one of them. Richie Edhouse has performed well since he's got his tour card. He did well when he qualified for the World Championship a few years ago as an associate member. So he's got form, and, and carrying that form from the Players' Championship format onto the TV stage is, is working, and he, he's played really well, yeah. Um, a, a good result for Richie Edhouse. Yeah, indeed. Um, two games left. We're not going to talk about them because we are way over time already and we still need to look ahead to tomorrow. But Peter Wright, by the way, 6-4 win over Keane Barry. An unbelievable performance 
throughout a large part of the match, Hakeem Barry, his winning legs were ridiculous. I think it was a 15, two 13s, maybe a 12 or an 11 within there. Uh, Peter Wright firing him a couple of 13 darters, a 10 and an 11 himself at times. Um, but he gets over the line 6-4 in that one. Snakebite lives to fight in the day. And as we've already touched on, Johnny Clayton in the final game tonight, getting over the line against Alan Tabern. Um, that rounds up today's action. Now I need to find the order of play for tomorrow. I have it in bracket order, but I do not have it in front of me for tomorrow, which is always a good bit of planning on <laughs> my part solid action because both of the live scoring systems have only populated two games let's see how good mr jarlip eaton is at his job and if it is up on our website already shall we keep scrolling 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 we do have the order of play for tomorrow um no analysis, Luke. We're just going to throw that out the window completely. Yeah. You guys in the chat room as well. I'm going to tell you the games in the order that they're on. We're going to start for stage two. Uh, we're going to go all the way through stage two. Then we're going to go all the way through stage one in order. One name. That's all I want. We're not We're not going to do any analysis. We're just going to whiz through who we think are going to win these games, starting with Andy Bolton versus Vincent van der Voort. Van der Voort. Ryan Searle versus Ryan Joyce. Ryan Searle. I probably should be predicting these two. I'll go Bolton. I'll go Skull. Game number three, Michael Smith, Daryl Gurney, the only Northern Irishman, the only non-Englishman in section two. Michael Smith. I'm with you on that one. Brendan Dolan against Richie Edhouse. Brendan Dolan. Same again. Damon Hetter against Gabriel Clemens. What a match this could be. Uh, I'm going to go with Damon Hetter. Yeah, it looks solid to me. Um, Ross Smith back on stage two against Luke Humphreys. Good game, this. I like Ross Smith to get through this one. Just because he's wearing the OD patch on the shirt. <laughs> also, uh, Willie O'Connor against Christoph Ratajski. Uh, Ratajski, Polish Eagle. This is going to be a case of where I'm definitely going to consider putting Ratajski in my accumulator for tomorrow. And O'Connor's going to do me again for a year, right? I think the year that Daryl Gurney beat Michael Van Gogh, and I think I backed against him. He won three last leg deciders, and he wasn't in contention for any of the matches whatsoever. Um, I think Willie O'Connor might play that role this weekend. And the final game on stage two, Jose de Salza is booted from the main stage against Darius Labanauskas. I'm going to go with a shock for Labanauskas. I'm going to go to Souza just, though. I think it will be tight. On to the main stage. What a game this is to open, by the way. Callum Ridds against James Wade. Oh, I think Callum Ridds. I'm going Wadey. Sorry, Callum. <laughs> uh, oh, it gets better. Rob Cross against Nathan Aspinall. Oh, that's really tight. Um, Aspinall. I'm gonna, I was very impressed with Aspinall today, but I'm going to go... Rob Cross, Ryan Meikle, star performer of the day against Gary Anderson. Gary Anderson. Yeah, I'm with you on that one as well. Just difficult to replicate what Ryan did today, I think. And Gary's got extra gears to come. Peter Wright against eight. What a session is I Look, I'm refereeing tomorrow for Derbyshire County, so I'm not going to see any of this in the afternoon session. I'm going to have to try and catch... The highlights on the way back, because once again, I'm hosting tomorrow night's Fallout Bar for you guys. But what an afternoon main stage session this is 
Uh, Peter Wright, A.D. Lewis. Adrian Lewis, heart over head. I'm going Lewis too because I've backed the man to reach the semi-finals. Uh, Michael Van Gerwen against Raymond Van Barneveld. Raymond Van Barneveld. Stop you, oh, mate! You're just jinxing both of them. I called this one before. <laughs> Even got through to this round, but I'm going, I'm staying with Barney. I was very, very impressed with him this evening. Um, ooh, a rematch of a game at the Grand Slam going price against Martin Schindler in a short format. I go in price basically today. I think Schindler beats him. I'm gonna go price though, he's just, just got levels, hasn't he? When he wants it, Johnny Clayton against Scott Mitchell. Luke. Yeah, Johnny Clayton for me. I'm, I'm a big, big fan of Scott Mitchell's work, but when you back Johnny Clayton to win the tournament, he's still in. I sort of had to take it. I just don't think he can play that badly again, to be honest. Um, and the final game of the day, Dimitri Vandenberg against Danny Noppert. I think Danny Noppert's going to come through that one. You've picked all the edgy picks here. I'm quite livid with you. I need someone else here so we can balance it out a bit. Because I too am back in Danny Knopfler. It's just the steeliness about him this year so far. Chat room, you guys have all been absolutely fantastic. Thank you for all your picks. With in there, interesting to see opinions split on quite a few. There's the odd shout for Schindler, um, Lewis versus Wright split everybody quite a lot. Um, Cross Asp did the same as did Rids Wade. Interesting, interesting. To be fair, we, we struggled to split a couple of them too, and everybody else seems to be on the same wavelength as us, which is possibly quite a worrying thing, <laughs> Luke. Um, thank you very much for joining me this evening, buddy. Really do appreciate it. And to our friends at Foil Sports for making our coverage happen this week and looking ahead to the World Championships as well. They are on board of us all the way up until the close of that tournament. Um, we played you a little clip of Adrian Lewis earlier. There are literally tens of, not hundreds, because there hasn't been that many games, but there are plenty more interviews on our YouTube channel, guys. Once we finish this stream, head over there and hear from any of your favourite players that you want to see how they felt about their first round victories today. Um, the Live League is on currently. There's still about an hour and a half, maybe two hours play left this evening, usually. I'm not 100% sure some of us might need to get some sleep. But if you fancy some more live darts, you can always head over to that. Stay on this channel once again. And don't forget to follow us on social media throughout the weekend. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and on our website where the live blog returns once again this weekend. It's by far the easiest place to keep up with both boards simultaneously. Although that might be me being just a little bit biased. Um I don't think I can say anymore. So with that, guys, thank you very much for watching the show. We'll be back tomorrow night with the final Fallout Bar of this weekend because obviously we will review the final day's action on the Live Lounge on Monday on a bumper night of action that includes the World Championship Finals Qualifier and the World Championship Draw. So stay tuned for that one as well, guys. Um, thank you very much for watching and good night. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.